Good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Christ Church, and uh, I am going to relearn how to preach because I've been out for uh, several, uh, actually throughout the month of Ju July, uh, excuse me, the month of August, I was out, and uh, now I'm back, and it's great to be with you, kicking off this brand new series, Apology Accepted, and uh, you know, I am going to uh, encourage you now to find your Christ Church notes, okay? If you don't have them, they are there between the uh, exit doors, uh, you may want to find that. I will tell you, we're, you're going to get some tools that have the chance or opportunity to dramatically improve your relationships. That's what we're going to be doing over the next five weeks. You'll want to make sure that you have your pen or pencil, your uh, Christchurch notes there. And while you're doing that, let me remind you uh, today that uh, at 1230 today, our membership class is going to be meeting. I'm going to be teaching the in-person class. Todd's going to be teaching the uh, online class, and uh, we're going to be inviting all of you uh, who have yet to make Christ Church your church home to be with us today and uh, uh, be a part of this church family in an official way. Also, the following week, if you've never been baptized, baptism is going to be happening. Uh, the class is going to be happening next Sunday at 12.30, and then the following Sunday on the 26th, we're going to have baptisms right here and, uh, in worship at 9.30 and 11. So, all right, you should have your Christchurch notes out by now, and uh, as I said, we're beginning a brand new series that will dramatically improve your relationships. You know, we try to do uh, sermon series that go right along with who we are as a church. Love God, love others, live out the gospel life. The uh, Faith Rocks series is all about loving God. This series is all about loving others. It's all about loving others. We teach you how to love others in an effective way. Today, we're going to be talking about apology, apology. Now, you know, uh, as I said, you're going to get the tools to, to learn how to dramatically improve relationships, whether it be uh, with your family, like your spouse, or whether it be with your children, whether it be with your close friends. However that works out, you have the opportunity, really, to improve these relationships. Now, the, the teaching is all rooted and grounded clearly in God's Word, and uh, we're using as a base for that Gary Chapman's book, The Five Languages of Apology. The Five Languages of Apology by Gary Chapman. You know, uh, we're going to learn the art of apology. That's what we're going to be doing. The art of apology. And I will tell you that apology is learned. The way you do apology is a learned skill. It is a learned skill. Most of us never learn this stuff. And so we're always in tension with our spouse or our kids or our parents or, uh, or, or even our good friends. You know, many of you are familiar with Dr. Chapman's most famous book, which is The Five Love Languages, right? I mean, that book is so popular, it's been translated into more than 50 languages, and, uh, you know, this book is uh, credited, or many tens of thousands of couples credit that book with saving their marriage. Well, the premise of that book is this. 
And I'm going to tell you that in order to tell you the premise of this one. The premise of the five love languages is this, that everybody has a different love language. There are five, generally five different love languages that are spoken, that is the way people feel and express love, happens in generally five different ways. And most of us have one primary way we feel love and that we express love. Well, in the same way, uh, you know, it's the same way with the art of apology. But let me tell you, let me explain it this way. You know, uh, when, when I was growing up, uh, I grew up in an English-speaking family. My, my mom, my dad spoke English. English is our native language. English is our native tongue. So, uh, let's imagine that that, that I come into a relationship with somebody who speaks only Russian. Now, I'm a native English speaker. That person is a native Russian speaker. No matter how much we want to communicate, our communication is going to be limited, right? Because no matter how much I speak English, and you know, if, if I want this person to understand, it doesn't work if I speak louder. Rosemary sometimes tells me that if somebody doesn't understand me, I speak louder. Uh, but you know, regardless of how loud I speak, if you only speak Russian, you're not going to understand well the way I am speaking or what I am trying to communicate to you. Now, in this room right here, and particularly in Christ Church, you know, we have folks who grew up speaking Korean and Swahili and Spanish and French and German and Russian and other languages as their primary language. Well, we need to learn to speak the language that your significant other or the one you want to be in relationship speaks because the way they feel and express love may be very different than the way you feel and express love. And it's same with the art of apology. We all have different ways of apologizing. You know, I put that phrase up on the screen because I think this is critical for us to know. It is the premise of what I'm talking about today, that we have different ways of apologizing. What you believe is an apology may not be what I believe is an acceptable apology. The way I apologize to you may not be an acceptable apology to you. We have different ways of apologizing. That means we speak different apology languages. So what are these five apology languages. I'm ready. Get ready because you're going to need to write. I want you to write this stuff in. This is a keeper, people. This message is a keeper. You need this stuff. Here we go. The first one is expressing regret. Expressing regret is the first language of apology. We're going to be talking about that one today. Expressing regret. Here's the second one. Accepting responsibility. Accepting responsibility. Our third apology language is this, making restitution. Making restitution. Our fourth apology language is this, genuinely 
repenting. Here it is, genuinely repenting. And apology language number five is requesting forgiveness. Requesting forgiveness. Now, I want you to understand, as you're writing this down, virtually everybody in this room has one of these languages, whether it's expressing regret, accepting responsibility, making restitution, genuinely repenting, or requesting forgiveness, as your number one, the number one way that you feel apologized to. And because this is the way you feel apologized to as an acceptable apology, it's generally going to be the way you will tend to apologize to someone else. But the question is, what if your significant other, other that someone else, doesn't accept that apology because that's not the way he or she feels apologized to? That's where the rub comes in. You have an apology language, a primary apology language, where you feel that if you get that apology expressed in one of those ways, then you feel that it's genuine. You feel apologized to. The problem is, as I say, the person that you're apologizing to may not have that same primary apology language. So you're going to be apologizing the way you feel need, you need to apologize all you want and the person you're apologizing to hears blah, 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 blah. That's what they hear. And you are left wondering, how in the world can they feel this way? Why in the world? I have done everything I know how. Well, yes, you have given your number one primary apology language. Problem is, the person you're apologizing to doesn't speak that language. It's like that relationship between the English speaker and the Russian speaker. No matter how much I may want to communicate with somebody who speaks Russian, the Russian will not understand me because they don't speak any English. That's the problem. It's the same with the art of apologizing. So, you know, and as someone who has done his fair share of marriage counseling over the, uh, the past 30 years here at Christ Church, I can tell you that I've seen it over and over and over again. One person says, if only he or if only she would apologize to me. And the other person sitting in the chair in my office will say, but I have apologized. I've done it. I have apologized to you. And, and the other one says, no, you haven't. You haven't done that. You've never admitted you're wrong. Or, no, you haven't. You've never made restitution to me. Or, you say, yeah, you've said you're sorry, but you've never genuinely shown me that you are sorry. Or, no, you haven't, because you've never asked me to forgive you for the hurt you've caused me. You see, you may be expressing regret, but the other person is not accepting that because that's not the way he or she feels apologized to. You see what happened there? One person truly believed he or she had apologized. 
But the other person didn't feel apologized to. Why? Because you speak different apology languages. Now, newspapers are not- notoriously uh, poor apologizers. Now, I've got a, I've got a, I'm going to show you one that appeared in a newspaper in Augusta, Maine uh, a few years ago, and it's this right here. Go ahead and put it on the screen. Typographical error. Due to a typing error, Saturday's story on local artist John Henninger mistakenly reported that Henninger's bandmate, Eric Lede, was on drugs. The story should have said that he was on drums. The Sentinel regrets the error. <laughs> uh, I tell you, uh, I'm not sure that would cut it, you know, uh, as an apology. You know, folks, one of the facts of life, though, I'm going to tell you right here, one of the facts of life is that you will be hurt in life. It's going to happen to you. There's no way to get around it. The time is going to come when somebody is going to hurt you. Now, it may be hurting you intentionally. They've set out to do it, and they accomplished what they set out to do. They have hurt you deeply. But then again, there are those hurts that you're going to have by somebody that you love and care about who did not set out to hurt you, but yet, unintentionally, they caused you some deep pain. But the reality is, folks, that whether it's intentional or unintentional, it hurts just the same, right? I mean, if you've been hurt, it hurts, whether it's been intentional or unintentional. So before we jump into the first language of apology, I think we need to deal with a question that, that's at the heart of this issue, and that is this question. Here's the question. Why should I forgive someone who hurt me? Why should I forgive somebody who hurt me? That's the question I want us to answer before we get into the language of apology. Why should you forgive someone who hurt you, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally? Well, let's look from the scripture. Gospel of Matthew chapter 18, this is one of Jesus' stories that he told. 18, here it is. It's about an unforgiving servant. Let's listen to this. Here it is. It's on your screen as well as on your uh, notes. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. You see that? This servant owed millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife and children and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. This fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king 
called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? This is God's word for us today. God's word for us. Matthew 18. You know, in this story, what do we have here? In this story, Jesus gives us here two reasons that you and I, we Christians, uh, who ought to know and love and follow Jesus, why we need to forgive those who hurt us. All right? So we're going to get two reasons right here from this scripture why we need to forgive those who hurt us, why you need to forgive those who hurt you. Here's the first one. You ready for it? Hear it? I want you to write it in. It's this one. Because God has forgiven me. I want us to say it together. Ready? Because God has forgiven me. I'm going to ask you the question, why do we need to forgive those who hurt us? Why? Because God has forgiven me. That's it. I want you to remember that. God has forgiven you. You know, uh, it's one of the first things that we learn in Scripture. It's Ephesians 4.32. Listen to this. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another or forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now, let me tell you how this works in my life. And this is in general broad brush strokes. It doesn't happen every single solitary time, but it happens with regularity. You know, when, when I am aware, when I remember, when I, am, when I am with it enough to remember how much God has forgiven me, and He's done it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, when I remember that, it makes me far more willing to forgive those who hurt me. When I remember just how much and how often God has had to forgive me, I find myself in those moments more willing to forgive those who've hurt me. However, the, uh, the, the very opposite of that is absolutely true in my life too because when I am not with it, when I am not in the mindset of remembering how much God has forgiven me, then I am often unwilling to forgive someone else so quickly. I'm often unwilling to forgive someone quickly because I have forgotten just how much I have offended God and how often God has forgiven me. You know, I, I will tell you that I do my best to live in the grace and forgiveness of God. I do my best to offer it freely and regularly, but there are some times that I just simply don't remember in that moment just how much God has forgiven me and how he's taken the etch-a-sketch of my life with all the sins on it and given it a great big shake. I, when I remember that, I am far more willing and far more ready to forgive someone when they, have forg uh, when they have hurt me. So, I want you to listen to this. First of all, God has forgiven me. That's the reason we need to forgive. But I want you to remember this one thing. You will never be asked to forgive anybody 
more than God has already, up to this point in your life, forgiven you. Think about that. You'll never be asked to forgive anybody more than God has already, up to that point in your life, has already forgiven you. Why do we need to forgive someone who hurt us? Because God, what? Has forgiven me. Yeah, that's right. Here's the second reason. Why do we need to forgive someone who hurt me? Because resentment makes things worse. Let's say it. Because what? For resentment makes things worse. It does. Uh, resentment makes things worse. Always, resentment always hurts you more than it hurts uh, someone else. Resentment is always self-destructive. You know, there is a story in the Scripture, an entire book in the Old Testament, about this guy named Job. You've probably heard of him. This guy named Job. You know, uh, Job was a good man. He was a godly man. He had, he had everything money could buy. He was a rich man, in fact. He had everything money could buy. But it came a time in his life when he lost everything. I mean, everything. He lost it all. He lost his, uh, he lost his livelihood. He lost his, uh, his, uh, his children. Uh, he, he lost... He lost everything. He, he came down with this illness that practically took his life. I mean, this guy went from hero to zero in the blink of an eye. And yet Job, not once, not twice, but three times in three different places in the book of Job, says that resentment only makes things worse. In fact, here's one of his quotes right here from, uh, from Job chapter 5, verse 2. Look what it says. It says, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. There you go. To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. I mean, he, he leaves no room to wiggle out of that one, does he? I mean, you can't wiggle out of that. To, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Why? Because he knows that resentment only makes things worse. In fact, resentment, when you're holding it, you know what it does? It makes you miserable. Resentment will make you miserable. Hear it again. Resentment will make you miserable. You know, when you're resentful and bitter toward the person who offended you, all the resentment in the world isn't going to undo the past. It's not going to change the situation. It's not going to undo the fence. It's not going to resolve the problem. All the resentment in the world will not resolve that problem or undo what's already been done. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you know, how does you carrying resentment punish the one who hurt you? Let's think about that for a minute. How is it that when you carry resentment towards somebody, how does that punish that person your resentment uh, that you're resenting? Well, the problem is it doesn't. I mean, what's that person doing? The one that you've got resentment for? I mean, they're living life. They're going to Disney World. You know, you're the one who's miserable. Because you're carrying around all of that resentment. You know, Job just simply tells us we need to forgive. We need to move forward 
And we ought to learn to forgive. You know, what happens when you're the offender, though? Think about this. What happens when you're the one who's done all the hurting? What happens when you're the one who's wounded someone else? How then do you need to seek forgiveness? Well, it all starts with an apology. That's what it starts with. You know, we human beings need apologies. We just need them. You know, the health of every single relationship we know is rooted in your ability to apologize. Why? Because you're going to offend people. I mean, think about this. Every single solitary relationship that you are in, is, if it's successful, it is rooted in your ability to apologize in some way, shape, or form. Without, apologize, without apologies, anger builds, and relationships do what? They crumble. Anger gets built, and relationships will crumble. So, what is the number one thing people are looking for an apology? Here it is. You ready to write it? It is sincerity. The number one thing people are looking for when you apologize is that you are sincere. That it's real. That it's genuine. That you are really genuinely apologizing. You know, as important as apologies are for healthy, lasting relationship, most of us, <laughs> hear this, most of us are lousy apologizers. As important as apologizing is in all of your relationships, most every last one of us are horrible, lousy apologizers. Why is it? Because when, uh, most often when you offer, uh, offer an apology, how do you do it? You offer an apology in the very way that you feel apologized to. And that's where it all falls apart. It all falls apart because in most cases, the person that you're attracted to, the person that you have hurt, the person that maybe that you're in a relationship with, has a different way that he or she feels apologized to than the way you did the apology. That's why we're lousy apologizers. And unless we apologize in a language they understand, it doesn't matter what you do or what you say, they will not believe your apology is sincere. Do you hear me? What's the number one thing people are looking for in an apology? Sincerity. But if you are apologizing in a language that your spouse or your friend or your kid or your co-worker or your boss doesn't understand, ask yourself this question, just how sincere does that sound? They don't get it. You are left feeling like all the air has been sucked out of your balloon because you've apologized in the very best way you know how that is the way you feel the way you feel apologized to but if they don't speak that language it doesn't matter it does not matter how much you feel you've apologized it's all about how do they feel 
do they feel apologized to? So, what is the first language of apology? It is this. Get ready to write. Here it is. It's re- expressing regret or underline that. I think I, I fill that in on your outline. Just underline this. This is the very first apology language. And expressing regret, here we go. Now, pay attention. Expressing regret can be summed up in three little words. The first word is I. The second word is am. What do you think the third word is? There it is. Put it on the screen. I am sorry. Let's say it. I am sorry. One more time. I am sorry. There we go. That is the very first language of apology is I am sorry or expressing regret. You know, I don't know if you've seen the commercial. I think it's Milky Way. Check this out. Sorry. Sorry. Greg Gertz. Sorry, I was eating a Milky Way. I'm not so sure that particular apology cut it. All right? Matter of fact, you may have seen this meme that's been going around quite a bit. Well, go ahead and put that on. No regrets. No regrets. I guess he had some regrets when he... Uh, got out of that tattoo parlor, that's for sure. But for those whose primary apology language is expressing regret, hearing a genuine, humble, and sincere I am sorry is all they need. All right, now let me clarify. If, you hear that if? That's a big if. If, the person that you are apologizing to has as his or her primary number one apology language as expressing regret, then what they need to hear from you is, I am what? Sorry. I am sorry. And if it is genuine and they see that in you, then they will feel apologized to and it will pretty much then be a done deal. Now, I will say that no more than 20% of the population will accept that and be done. Because about 20% of the population has as their primary apology language expressing regret and what they need to see in you and what they need to hear from you is a genuine, a humble, and sincere, I am sorry. But that leaves about 80% of the population that says, yeah, blah, 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 right? We're going to find out about those in the weeks ahead. We need to figure out this one right here. So, I mean, how many times have you heard an empty, what you consider to be an empty apology? I bet you have. You're probably like me. You've heard that kind of thing before. And you're thinking, you know, I'm sorry means absolutely nothing if it does not come from a repentant heart. 
It's so true. Matter of fact, we see that in Scripture from Psalm 51. You know, uh, David, King David, uh, he, he had had that affair with Bathsheba. You know, he had uh, uh, put uh, Bathsheba's husband on the front of the military line in the middle of a war. He was killed to try to uh, cover all of this up. He thought he was getting away with it. Until the, uh, the prophet Nathan came up to him and called him on it. And it broke David's heart. And he says in Psalm 51, look at these words that he said. He wrote uh, these words. It was at the lowest point in his life. And he said, have mercy on me. He fell to his knees. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgression, that is my sin. Wash away all my iniquity, against sin, and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. He was broken and calling out to God in an apology. He was saying, God, I am so, so sorry. You know, I just picture, you know, David, you know, on his knees before God, you know, just uh, the tears flowing down his cheek, recognizing what he had done, how he had ruined the life of someone else, pleading for forgiveness. And there's one more very important thing that I want you to know, and that is when saying I'm sorry, if this again, if if you're apologizing to someone whose primary apology language is expressing regret, when you say, I'm sorry, never, never, ever say, there it is, never, ever, ever say but. If you do that, every single solitary thing that you said before is gone. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter what action you've done, if you use that word in your apology, everything you've done has been negated. It is flushed down the toilet. It is gone you are right back and maybe in worse position than you were even before you started out. You know, people will say all the time, you know, I am so sorry, but you provoked me. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that a wonderful apology? I'm sorry, but you, but, but if you hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have acted this way. Yeah, no, that didn't cut it. I'm sorry, but... You know, if he, if I can imagine David, you know, he did not go down on his knees and say, God, I'm sorry, but you know, it's Bathsheba's fault. 
you know, you think about it. Never, ever, ever say, I'm sorry, but it's not an apology at all. I'm going to leave you with a couple of examples of how to apologize if you are apologizing to someone whose primary love language is expressing regret. Are you ready? Here it is. I know that I hurt you very deeply. That causes me immense pain. I am sorry for what I did. There's one. Here's another one. At the time, I obviously wasn't thinking well. I never intended to hurt you, but now I can see that my words were way out of line. I'm sorry that I was so insensitive. This, two examples on how to apologize to someone whose primary language, apology language, is expressing regret. You know, over the next few weeks, we're going to be taking each and every one of those. because, And I will tell you, just because you're in a relationship with someone who speaks one particular apology language, don't think that if you get that one right, you can ignore the rest. Because you're going to be in a relationship, in some kind of relationship, with people who speak all of these different apology languages, and you need to understand how to make it right. This is all about loving one another, being in relationship with one another, being in a strong relationship with one another happens when we've learned to apologize. I said it before, I'm going to say it again, every single solitary relationship you're in is built on the fact that you have been able to apologize to that person in a way that they feel apologized to. Because every one of us will either be hurt or we will hurt those around us. Thank God our Lord forgives us. And whatever apology language we use with God, He is willing to accept it. And so we come to a place in our life where we say thank you God for, for your love for us that never ends and never fails. I know I have failed you. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. That's our prayer. In the name of Jesus. Let's pray right now. Most gracious Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we the people of Christ Church come together because we know that you are in our midst and that you inspire us and encourage us to be better than we could ever be without you. Lord, we're grateful that you have forgiven us over and over and over and over again. And we know, Lord, that because we have been forgiven by you, it is the right and godly thing to do to forgive those who hurt us. And Lord, when we have been the offender and when we have hurt those around us, may we be smart enough to realize 
that we need to ensure that the person hears and understands our apology. And so in whatever way we need to make that happen, we pray that you would give us the wisdom and the discernment and the courage to speak in that language that those whom we've offended understand. Lord, make us strong. Build us in fellowship and in love with one another. And may we be the people who show the world that we are Christians by our love. Thank you, Lord. We love you and praise you, honor, worship, and adore you. In the holy and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.